Hello and welcome back to a special playoff edition of the Texas Private School Podcast. Uh, I please ask if you like the video, please like the video, subscribe and turn on post notifications. That really, really helps us with outreach and engagement. And it helps us be able to cover private school football to a wider fan base. But with that out of the way, as always, I am one third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson. I am joined as always by my other two thirds, Walker Lott in College Station and Ryan Schroeder in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Walker, how was the last week of private school football and just your life in general? Uh, big time upsets happened last week. Some great wins for some great teams. Uh, now, you know, it's playoffs now. It's a great week. Uh, I'm excited for it and getting my Aggie ring this Friday. So that's going to be a pretty cool uh, thing. So big, big moves. You love to see it. Ryan, you had an incredibly busy week and saw a lot of private school football, including the SPC championships. How, how was that for you and how's that as an experience? Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to let it be known that I actually got to, you know, work a little bit this weekend. <laughs> Same like I actually got to go down and see some teams. I mean, it was a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk a lot about a lot of it. But yeah, Nolan Catholic and Prestonwood and then the SPC championships. All great. A lot of good games. No, without a doubt. I'd also like to apologize in advance. I'm, I have some type of cold or virus, and so I'm going to sound really, really rough for the next hour or so, but I'm going to power through it because we are going to give you an episode every single week, regardless of how we feel. So, as always, our first subject is recapping our last week's picks. I, for the first time in a very, very long time, won the week of picks going 11 and four. I'm still in last place at 105 and 43, but I'll take a good week. I finally needed to break the streak. Um, Ryan is still in first place. He went 10 and five last week. He's 114 and 34 overall. And to my knowledge, I think you're still the best percentage-wise private school picker on the internet. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. But Walker slides nicely in between us, 10 and 5 last week, 108 and 40 overall. So, I mean, for the sake of time, I'll just say, I think that really, really kind of solidifies yet again. We know what we're talking about a little bit. We know how to pick most of these games. Even though we are wrong sometimes, we will get to what we were wrong on later. But in terms of our second segment, we look at the players of the week. And on offense and a game that Ryan actually got to go cover, the Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week is senior wide receiver from Kincaid, Dylan Bell. In a championship win against ESD, he had 252 total yards combined of passing, rushing, and receiving with a passing touchdown, two rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. So, Ryan, obviously he had just kind of a Swiss Army Knife game for Kincaid in that championship. What can you speak on? to the talent level of Dylan Bell, especially in this game specifically? I mean, he's just so good at the game of football, ironically. I mean, literally, he he. it was so many Wildcat scenarios that he had where he basically just could do everything. You didn't know if he was going to pass it, didn't know if he was going to run, didn't know if he was going to pass it to somebody else, who's going to pass it to him. And it's like, you know, kind of funny how that all worked out. But uh, he's definitely a great player. And uh, he, he said on Twitter, like, bro, I'm a wide receiver. And I said – are you a wide receiver? Like, how am I supposed to know with a stat line like that? So it's kind of funny. That's a really good point. I mean, Walker, this kid just, I mean, we've known how talented he is the entire year. But, I mean, what do you think of this game in a vacuum with just these crazy stats? I mean, yeah, we've known it since week one of how good this kid is. He's done it throughout his four years in high school, and he ended it on a bang. I mean, you know, like we said last episode, you, you, to win that game, they had to get his – get the ball in his hands and let him do what he does. And he did it. Um, there's a reason why Georgia 
took him in their class who, you know, they're always like, oh, yeah, we'll get five stars, five stars, five stars. They took an underrated guy in Dylan Bell, who I think is an absolute steal in this class, and he's about to make a lot of damage there in, uh, in Athens, Georgia. But uh, he ended his, his career on a good night, and he had a great game. Shout out to him, man. With a doubt, ridiculously talented athlete and a well-deserving Texas Private School Podcast Offensive Player of the Week. Transitioning to the other side of the ball, we see the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week, junior defensive back from Fort Bend Christian Academy, James Donovan. In a win against Second Baptist, he had five total tackles, one tackle for loss, and the stats that got him in this list three interceptions, and one game-sealing pick for the win. I mean, it's really hard to leave a guy off that had a walk-off interception, let alone three interceptions. And I saw this kid play when they played the Woodlands Christian Academy. I mean, I think I mentioned he's got a super high motor, really, really intelligent at the safety position. He's just got a nose for the football. So, I mean, Walker, I mean, this is a crazy stat line. I mean, what do you think of James Donovan's um, game against Second Baptist? I mean – he he made his plays that he needed to. He put you know when the when he need they needed him most. He was there. He made the play, and that's what they needed. I mean, that's what you want. The best of the best is when they make the plays when they need to make the plays, and that's what he did. And a big big upset win over Second Baptist. They needed him to go make those plays, and he did it throughout the night. And I know Turner Murdoch on the other side throwing the ball was not happy with him, and he was probably a nightmare. Uh, James Donovan was a nightmare for Murdoch all night. So. No, without a doubt. I mean, it's something I love to say is some kids either have it or you don't. And it, it's impossible to quantify what it is, but it's just it, it's a knack to make plays. And that's the best way I can describe it. But speaking of that, Ryan, I mean, what do you think of James Donovan's it factor in the stat line from this district championship ceiling win against Second Baptist? I just – I really don't think people understand how crazy this is. First off, if you have three interceptions in the game, that's – Awesome. Like that, like that, that's like literally. I, I wish people could fathom how hard that is. That is literally an awesome stat line. Oh, yeah. But how about doing that against the best team in your district who's actually favored over you? And then you also make the game winning one, uh, when game winning interception. I mean, like people have to realize that, yeah, only five tackles total, but with a tackle for loss and three interceptions, I'm sorry. Like that's that's really hard to do. And here at the Texas Private School podcast, we value three interceptions. So, we have yeah. given a lot of defensive player of the weeks to guys with three interceptions, but not yet one with a game ceiling pick for the win for a district championship. I think that sets him apart from anyone else. But congratulations to James Donovan, the Texas Private School Podcast Defensive Player of the Week. And now we get into the fun stuff, talking about our last week's matchups, the first of which was a game we were just talking about. Houston Second Baptist at Fort Bend Christian Academy for a district championship. And as I correctly predicted, which I haven't gotten to say a lot in the last few weeks, Fort Bend wins 27 to 24 and snaps what was a nine-year Houston Second Baptist district title streak, which is absolutely impressive in itself. I mean, you have to give your hat off to Coach Pirtle. He has an incredible program down there in Houston. But talking about the winners, Brady Dever, just probably one of, not probably, one of the best junior quarterbacks in taps and in the state of Texas, throws for 275 yards and three touchdowns. His main target and up there in the conversation for one of the best receivers in taps, senior Marcus Creighton had 161 yards receiving on nine catches and a touchdown. Dever's other two touchdowns went to junior Braylon Gardani, who also had a heck of a year. And 
senior running back Sam LeBlou had a good game on the ground going for 139 yards, averaging over five yards of carry. Who The man that we just talked about forever, junior safety James Donovan, had three picks, the last one being a walk-off to secure the title for Fort Bend Christian Academy. So, Walker, I'll turn to you first. I mean, this was a game that was – I guess it was an upset for casual fans, but we've known how good Fort Bend has been for a long time. I mean, what do you think of this game and Fort Bend cementing themselves as maybe one of the – not maybe, maybe the best team in the Southern region? Yeah, I mean – it was shocking at how good that senior class was for Fort Bend last year, and they still really couldn't get the job done to push them over second Baptist. But, I mean, this these group of guys over there, Fort Bend, they believed. They went through a lot of struggles this season, you know, starting off a little slow, having to pick it up, and then in the district they kind of heated back up and to, to the point where you're like, how are they going to stop this offense? And, I mean, give credit to Houston Second Baptist. They did. They only held them to, what, 27, which for that offense is very impressive. But um, they just were too talented on that side. And uh, Second Baptist couldn't handle it until the very end. So, like like we said earlier with James Donovan, they're talented on both sides of the ball too. But that offense, man, it's, it's spectacular, like we've said all year. Those receivers, that quarterback, you know, that line – it's hard to stop, and that's what they did there, and they just played their game. And I forgot who posted it, but uh, Coach uh, Coach Black, I believe, after the game talked about his team and just saying, like, hey, like, there's no more doubt. Like, this, we are this team now, and that's the mindset they have to have going into the district – or going into playoffs, sorry, because they're a good team. And now with that number one spot, they can go all the way to the semis and meet regions if they really want to get after it. So that's going to be an issue for them to get there, right? It's going to be a difficult task. But because of this game, they set them up for the future success, uh, an easier path to face regions and the semis. Just realized I was still muted. But no, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I am incredibly excited to see what I think will be a Fort Bend Regents matchup in the semis. I'm giving away my bracket a little bit. But I mean, I've said it before. If you look up the definition of electricity, in Webster's dictionary, you're going to see Brady Dever in this Fort Bend Christian offense in that dictionary. I mean, it's they're incredible. I've watched them live. They're electric. I am probably higher on this team, I would say, than any other person in the state of Texas. I really, really like this Fort Bend team, and I'm excited to see where they go in the playoffs. Ryan, I've talked enough about it. Your thoughts on Second Baptist falling to Fort Bend? Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, like you said, Walker, Fort Bend was great last year, and Brady Dever um, – Honestly, it's just like kind of took over. I mean, he really, really did. Um, I think honestly here that like you could look at both these teams and both these teams could see each other again and there'd be a different outcome. Like this game is just really close. And honestly, this is a really, really, really big, uh, really, really big win for them, um, for Fort Bend. And obviously the nine-year winning streak is something that needs to be brought up because, you know, who else has a nine-year winning streak in, in district titles and like in taps? Like that's not here. I was gonna say DC, but I forgot about the uh, the the Trinity debacle. But yeah, none of that. None of that. We won't bring <laughs> all that up. But yeah, great, great, great game, and I, I can see these two teams um, definitely seeing each other again if they were to beat Regents. No, with without a doubt, I think that'll be really exciting to see as a potential semifinal matchup. 
But moving on into our next game of last week, that's a weird sentence. Grace Prep played at Pantigo, and Grace Prep completes the undefeated regular season with a 31-13 victory here against Pantigo. Junior quarterback Jalen Talton, who we've talked about all year, incredible underrated talent out of Grace Prep. The quarterback had two passing touchdowns at 160 yards to the air. Junior running back Allen St. Julian had 127 yards rushing for the Lions with senior Reed Turner rushing for three touchdowns. So, I mean, I don't know how much there is to say here. I think we all knew Grace Prep was going to beat Pantigo. I don't think any of us picked Pantigo. Did we? Did you pick Pantigo? Oh, dude, I'm telling you, I, I've said don't bet against Grace Prep this whole year. But Pantigo, shoot, Pantigo was undefeated going into that matchup, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to see because I don't think Pantigo really hadn't played anyone of significance to them yeah. going into that matchup. So it was really hard to know where Pantigo was at. But now, I mean, we know that Grace Prep, I mean, is, is far and away the best team in <clears throat> that division. But, I mean, Walker, I guess I'll go to you naturally. I mean, your thoughts on Grace Prep solidifying themselves as the best team in that division. Yeah, uh, fair fair credit to them. You know, we were, you know, when I went over there over the summer and got to talk to them, I knew they were a good team. They had the athletes. And I just kind of, like, kind of did something a little bit bold. And I saw some of the dudes they had over at Pantigo. But I guess they the dudes they had were not enough. Um, they they were They kind of got overpowered. 31-13, that's a, that's a big win for them and sets it up for success knowing, hey, we did it in district against, you know, lower opponents, but when you face a team like Pantigo, who's not a bad team in its in itself, saying, hey, we can do it against the, the okay teams and you also do it against the good teams, that's the mindset they're now going to have going into playoffs, and that's, a, that's scary, really, going into this uh, first round. But, yeah, Jalen Tolton's that dude. You know, he's a great athlete. All those guys are. Um, and I was shot, shout out to them for winning this game. No, without a doubt, I had to pull up my Twitter. I literally, you can go back to episode two, which is covering week two. I have been high on this grace prep team literally all season. I was here before anyone else was, and I will ride that to my grave. But Ryan, I mean, your thoughts on this grace prep team beating Pantigo and like I said, solidifying themselves as top dogs. Yeah, I mean, both these teams had killed every other opponent in their district. I mean, it was it was very clear that both these teams were easily the best and that this was the game of the year. I mean, it was played on a Saturday. It was set up perfectly. It literally, if there wasn't the SBC championships, I would have gone because I really thought that, that that's a really, really important game of the year. Um, and Grace Prep got it done. I mean, that just really shows that they are the top dog in that district, and they did it. Uh, they did it convincingly. 18-point victory is not something to shy away from, and I, I think that just proves that Grace Prep really is those top dogs. No, without a doubt. I mean, shout-out Grace Prep, shout-out Jalen Talton, incredible program they have. A playoff run, a deep playoff run, I think, is imminent for them. I'll knock on wood so I don't jinx them, but I really think they're a great team moving into playoffs. Game number three, Fort Worth Christian played at Grapevine Faith and in an absolute stunner that no one, none of us expected – Fort Worth Christian upsets Grapevine Faith 50-28 to 28 due to an offensive explosion for the Cardinals. I mean, this game just kind of makes it like that, that SpongeBob meme where there are a bunch of them running around, there's fire everywhere, just because Fort Worth Christian started the season so terribly, and now they're just catching absolute fire. It's awesome to see. I love the chaos. But in terms of the game specifics, 
senior quarterback Trevor Andrews had a fantastic game for Fort Worth Christian, throwing for 331 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He threw a couple of those touchdowns to senior Gus Sanchez and one apiece to Bryce Bradley and Jacob Trimble, who had 154 yards receiving. On the ground, both Trevor Andrews and Luke Anderson got touchdowns. And the key to victory was the Cardinal defense picking off Chase Cross four times. Senior Jackson Brownlow had two. Gus Sanchez and Jordan Green both had one. So, I mean, Walker, we really have had no good beat on this Fort Worth Christian team all year. And finally, I think we're starting to understand that they're not the team that they we thought they were at the beginning of the season. I mean, your thought on the team as a whole, and especially them picking off Chase Cross four times, which is a huge step in the right direction for that team. Yeah, I luckily picked fourth Christian this oh, game. Oh, God dang it. I didn't yeah, realize that. I did. I picked the upset here. And uh, I just kind of saw this fourth Christian team kind of being a little hot going into this game. And they finally kind of have their rhythm now, which is very scary to see. Um, but, yeah, picking off Chase Cross four times is a very difficult task for any defense. But the fact that they did it, I, you know, I'm very high on Chase Cross. I think he's a good player. But, um, yeah. Uh, that's very, that's very, very impressive. Um, I, I see Fulworth Christian kind of making some moves here. Yes, they started off the year uh, struggling. They got hit with the injury bug really bad for the start of the year, but now they're kind of healthy now. They're getting their guys, they're getting their rhythm in. And yes, they lost to SES, but SES I think is just a better team. But um, yeah, they finally found their rhythm and they're good to go now. And they're kind of locked in. So it's going to be exciting to see how far they can make it this year in playoffs. No, I completely agree. We'll detail one of their games later. But, Ryan, I mean, your thoughts on Fort Worth Christian proving both of us wrong and beating Grapevine Faith. Yeah, I don't know what to say here. I honestly, I think at this point in my head, it was kind of like, oh, okay, they beat, they beat Legacy. You know, they beat Coram Dale. Like, that's great and all kind of stuff like that. But I'm like, they're two and one. You know, they, they, they lost to Southwest Christian. They really just had a couple of wins. And then they also lost every other single game of the year going into this. And I, or, uh, beside district, going into district. And I was like, bro, they're not going to beat Faith. They go out and crush Faith. Like, I'm like, what? What does it even mean? So, yeah. Logically, if you went into that game, you would be picking Faith, but for some reason, I guess we have to realize how good this Fort Worth Christian team is, and that the fact that they've picked it on to now be three and one going into playoffs. Yeah, no, without a doubt, I was actually going through the Barstool Fort Worth Christian account. I would, I really assumed that they were going to chirp us for both of our predictions, but they didn't. So, you know, shout out to them for being good sports. I guess yeah, I just, just didn't see the episode. You, yeah, you just said that. Now they're going to come. Now they're going to know that someone's going to tell them that you just talked about them, and then they're going to come do that. All engagement is good engagement. But regardless, now we move into the territory of games. You actually got to go cover this year or this or this last week. I really can't talk today. So, Ryan, tell us a little bit about the SPC 4A championship, which was ESD versus Kincaid at Dallas Jesuit. Yeah, no, great, great time at Jal Dallas Jesuit. Um, this day game was a lot warmer than I prepared for, but it was the first time first time these two teams played together did not indicate basically what happened at all. The second time, uh, they played October 8th, and ESD beat Kincaid 31-21 uh, at home. And then about a month later, and still in the Dallas area, Houston still had to travel. Uh, Kincaid won 42 to 17, and it was the SBC four state four A state championship. Um, the undefeated ESD was uh, 10 and 0, obviously coming in this game, but Kincaid powered through. 
The players of the game, like we already mentioned, was 2022 Georgia commit Dylan Bell. Um, and like we already mentioned all of his stats, I mean, he literally was all over the board. And then their wide receiver who really um, – oh, and then oh, they their quarterback who also was very great was uh, David Capo Bianco um, and really didn't have a bad game. The 219 passing yards, three touchdowns, really good game. And then the Harvard commit uh, for wide receiver for Kincaid was good. His name's Cam Henry. He had 102 yards and two touchdowns on four catches. And then uh, Dylan's brother, Micah, who's actually a four-star, um, is uh, he actually had a total of 144 yards, and then he also had an interception. So that's how he's doing anything. He played both sides of the ball really well. And then the man for the ESD defense was the three-star defensive end, Chase Kennedy, who should not go unnamed. He really played really well, and he has actually Power 5 offers from Oklahoma State, Boston College, Houston, uh, which isn't Power 5, but like other Power 5 schools have offered him as well. Uh, but yeah, over, overall, upset victory for the Falcons, and that really no one was ex- expecting, but it doesn't really matter what happens the first time, only matters what happens in the championship, so. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you two picked uh, ESD to win. Somehow, Micah Bell got a hold of a Photoshopped picture where it also said, I picked ESD to win, which is just simply untrue. I definitely picked Kincaid to win the championship. I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. You, anyone that no, Walker, actually Wal- check, check that, you can go check to see that he also picked all No, that. no, Walker went in and post, and he he edited oh, the, the oh. ESD graphic onto my pick. I definitely picked Kincaid, but I'll, I'll accept uh, Micah Bell's apology to me for, for spreading false information on the internet, which I think is a federal crime now. But, I mean, Walker, I'll turn to you after I just slandered you. I mean, your, your thoughts on this ESD-Kincaid game that we, I'll admit, we all got completely wrong. Yeah, I don't know what they did during the regular season. You know, I didn't really watch any film of that game. Maybe they were just like, you know what, we'll give them something that we're, we're not actually like. And then when they went into the game and they just like played their hearts out, I don't know. We will never know, but for sure, um, uh, Kincaid was the better team without a doubt. Um, and like we said earlier, you put the, you put the ball in Dylan Bell's hands, he makes stuff happen. And that's what they did this game. Uh, all credit to that ESG team though. They, they were dominant throughout the year and they just, the one last game they couldn't, uh, end up winning, but I want to give credit to that ESD team. They're a great team, great players. A lot of those guys have college opportunities, and they're a great team. So shout out to them for making it far, going 10-0 and 0 in the regular season. Uh, but uh, congrats also to Kincaid for winning it all. You know, as Jimbo Fisher says, they remember November, and that is what proved correct for Kincaid here. No one's going to remember that regular season loss DST. They're only going to remember the championship. But speaking of championships, there was another one that went on that same day that Ryan was at actually before the 4A state championship. It was the SBC 3A state championship that featured the John Cooper Dragons playing the Cistercian Hawks. So, I mean, Ryan, literally you did an amazing job of the first game. Take this game away as well. Yeah, so this game is actually later. They played 4A and then 3A. So, Never mind. Uh, yeah, no. But it, I, the reason why I was kind of like, oh, shoot, I'll get to be warm and then cold. But, yeah, I was completely right. I was cold during the 3A game. And I had to bundle up like I was at the next game. But, anyways, most people thought it was, uh, had John Cooper chalked up for this game, and they were right. I mean, it was a pretty, you know, solid win for the Dragons. They went forty. They won 49-28 to 28 over the Hawks. Um, but the Cistercian quarterback, don't get it wrong, played really well. Dan O'Toole. Had a great game. He threw for 212 passing yards and three touchdowns. And the defense really just couldn't stop the John Cooper offense. So it really wasn't his fault. 
um, especially running back for the Dragons, Jackson Pierce, who had 135 yards and five touchdowns. If you saw my tweets from the game, you would see me going, is that really another one? Oh, my God, another one? Oh, and another one. And so he just kept scoring. But the Dragon quarterback as well, Dragon's quarterback as well, Vaughn McKeever, he had a great game. He threw for 357 yards, and then he uh, – what's called? He had – a touchdown, and then also another one on the runs. So he got himself two touchdowns. And then the two wide receivers for the Dragons, who also got over 130 yards receiving a piece, but no touchdowns, ironically. Uh, you know, they, what's called, they were, those guys were named uh, Kyler Sullivan and Will Young, both had good games. And it really was a great game for the Dragons. Um, and the best part was watching at the end, uh, the wide receiver senior, Gamble Reed, who got hurt during the game, um, he came back on the field and actually accepted the trophy at the end of the game, which was so awesome. And actually, the passing touchdown from the run from uh, um, was the McKeever mm-hmm. actually went to gamble before he got hurt. So he caught two passes, one of them being a touchdown, got hurt, I think, on defense. I could be wrong. Um, but whatever he got hurt, had to go get crutches, and then he received the SBC trophy from the SBC coordinator or whatever. And so that was really, really heartwarming. So. No, I mean, without a doubt, I've been really, really high, like I've mentioned, on Vaughn McKeever, Jackson Pierce, and Gamble Reed. I think Gamble Reed's a great talent. I mean, I know he he slots in at tight end for John Cooper. I think his main position is still defensive end. He's very, very good there. I think he's got a lot of opportunities going forward wherever he wants to go. Jackson Pierce is just a bruiser, man. Whenever I watched him play um, – Oak Ridge. I mean, he just punished people all night. I'm sure he did the same in the SBC 3A state championship. And Vaughn McKeever is someone that I think is one of the most underrated guys in TAPS. I mean, I think that kid, even though he's a junior, I think he has a ridiculous amount of room to grow for his senior year. But I'm very high on those three guys for the Dragons. Also, shout out to Sturgeon for a great year. I mean, anyone that makes it to the state championship should be recognized for that. But Walker, I mean, I just talked a lot. Your thoughts on John Cooper and Sturgeon and John Cooper winning the SBC 3A state championship? Yeah, it was a big win for them, without a doubt. Uh, you know, it was kind of – they kind of were, were the favorite uh, toward in, in this game, of course. But, you know, they, they kind of – it was a back-and-forth game at the very beginning, but, you know, they kind of just – at the very end, just kind of like played their game and played to their strengths and they won it. Uh, so shout out to them, man. Uh, I, I love that John Cooper team. They've always been appreciative to us and they were a good team. And uh, I, I'm very excited to see uh, those seniors come out um, with a win and a state championship for the first time in school history. That's massive. And you saw how they were kind of progressing over the years with the Haven coming in kind of changing this program to be like, hey, we have the guys, we have the opportunities to do this. Let's actually do this. And, hey, that's what they're doing now. And I would see them probably back there next year with Bob McKeever at the start and other guys. But also credit to a Cistercian. Like you said, they're a good team. They just kind of got overmatched in this one. But, hey, credit towards them. Uh, excited for the future for both programs. No, without a doubt. I mean, we'll make it no secret here. We love John Cooper. John Cooper's always been very, very good to us, and we love covering them and shouting them out. Also, probably the best socials team in TAPS. Yeah, I mean, I, I you have to shout them out that for that. Was, they do a that, great job. Their athletic director actually is one of the ones who kind of, like, runs that, which is super I'm, cool because you'll you never really see that kind of stuff run. It's usually by the communications team. He runs that kind of all through himself and has people come out and shoot photos for them. Sorry, a little photography guy in me likes that a little bit. So I just thought it was cool. No, I mean, they do a fantastic job. But, Ryan, you got one more game. Do you have it in you to detail it and break it down? 
One more game. And this was the game of the week for me, honestly. I, those two games were both awesome SBC championships, but this was the one. So one of the most intense games of the weekend. There was a lot of penalties that took away a lot of the big plays. And you'll see non-Catholic people and fans or players and fans all saying like they took some, like they tried to drag us down. But whatever you say, it, you know, it's whatever it was. Uh, this quarterback matchup between McGuire Martin and Cole Matsuda. Uh, Matsuda threw for 203 yards, two touchdowns, and also ran in a touchdown while Martin threw for 248 yards and then also threw uh, – he, he threw for 248 yards and then three passing touchdowns. So about kind of close to the same stat line a little bit, just one extra passing touchdown instead. Uh, the known running back, Keon Lacey, was also a big factor for the Viking offense. He ran for 142 yards and got himself a touchdown. And then the receivers for the Nolan offense that did well was uh, Demario Parks Vinson and Jaden Burnett, who we all know of, uh, who had a touchdown as well. And actually, they both had touchdowns, but Jaden Burnett had the game-winning touchdown, which was pretty sick with like eight minutes to go. Um, it was a long bomb from Matt Suited to him, at like 54 yards. And then the main target for uh, for Martin was Coco Eschik. Uh, I don't know if I messed that up. Just know Coco was a great player. Uh, I know number 14 is what my brother kept calling him all night. I mean, he was so great. He had 147 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and then on the defensive side is where the Vikings really took over. And I want to give this guy as much credit as possible because I really didn't do it during the game over social. And I really wish I would have given more credit. Uh, Samu Vave, Samu Vave, however you say that. Man, what a player. He had 12 total tackles and two forced fumbles. And one of those he returned for a, a touchdown. And the other one was the game-winning stop uh, the, that stopped the Lions on their game-winning drive attempt. I mean, literally the two most clutches forced fumbles he could have had. And then Curly Thomas is usually the one we speak of on this defensive line. Uh, I know that uh, Sam, uh, Samu Babe is actually a linebacker um, for what I actually could tell. But, I mean, he literally – he played, he got the forced fumbles. He came in there like he was the defensive lineman, how quick he got there, basically. Uh, but credit needs to go to him. A uh, big mistake for me as I was covering that, but he really played well. And overall, it was a fun game to cover. I love the, the campus. I, I ranked it highly on our campus things this past summer. If you want to go check that out on our campus, or like the rankings of the stadiums. But it really was cool as you kind of like go in and then you kind of go down to a bowl. It reminded me of almost like a deeper version of dallas christian where you kind of go down into that little section but it's even deeper because you're going to go down this giant bowl downstairs uh, it's kind of kind of cool we all know my thoughts on dallas christian stadium so I'll, I'll refuse to comment on that but yeah i mean i i think that just something i want to point out i am incredibly high on sophomore nolan running back Kewan Lacey. i think he's an incredible talent i hadn't even heard of him until i went and i watched that game against parish the kid is a physical freak for only being a sophomore in high school. I really, really think more people are going to hear about him very quickly. Walker, I mean, what do you have any individual thoughts on this Nolan versus Prestonwood game? I think it was a, a, a blockbuster matchup for this point in the season. Yeah, I think it shows like how good team both like how good both teams are. I think you know when Pe Preston was at their best, they're a dominant team. When McGuire Martin can do what he wants and kind of pass the ball wherever he wants, play his game, they're a good, really good team, and you show that. Uh, making it close throughout the night. But when Nolan's at their best, Nolan's at their best. They got the athletes. They got the players to do it, and they did that. And that defense is strong, and they showed it out with, you know, how many turnovers and all of that they made. But overall, sounds like a great game. I was, you know, I was at my game covering it. But, uh, yeah, I was kept catch, uh, was keeping up to date with it the entire night. So, uh, great game to show positioning for the bracket. 
No, I mean, without a doubt, it was a gigantic blockbuster matchup, like I mentioned. And, I mean, it'll be really, really interesting to see and follow those two teams in the playoffs and see their respective paths because I think both have a ton of potential and can be really just big wild cards in terms of the TAPS playoff bracket. But now we move into our kind of segue section. We talk about other news and various things going on. Uh, Ryan, I mean, you brought this up to all of us. Uh, We wanted to shout out all of the SBC state champions in fall sports. And Ryan, I think my voice is on the verge of giving out. So if you want to read off all those and give them all their flowers, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, like we try to mention, we just try to give everybody their love, even for every sport. We are the Texas Private School Podcast of all sports, not just football. Um, so just kind of want to go over some other ones. Cross country. Uh, I mean, by the way, just want to mention, all of the SBC championships are on the exact same day, basically. So just keep that in mind, how they're all trying to cover, especially when they have multiple teams in two different championships. But uh, cross country, the champion was uh, what's called uh, Episcopal. Um, the runner-up was Hockaday. The boys' champion was St. Mark's, and the boys' runner-up was St. Andrews. That was all across country. Field hockey, the champion was Kincaid. The runner-up was St. John's. And girls' volleyball, the champion was Hockaday. The runner-up was Oak Ridge. And then in boys' volleyball, the champion was St. Mark's, and the runner-up was Trinity Valley. So a lot of teams that had some crossover with football on state championships. Yeah, no, I mean, you have to shout out all – of those state champions just to to win state and anything is just a gigantic accomplishment. It's something that's hard to fathom unless you've actually been there before. So huge shout out to all of them. That's, that's a gigantic accomplishment from all those SBC schools. But now we get to mention something fun, which is our changes in our D one through D four rankings. And in terms of division one, we have parish Episcopal number one, known Catholic number two, Houston, St. Thomas moves up to three central Catholic falls to four, You have All Saints, Midland, and Prestonwood at five through seven. Antonian Prep rises to eight, and Concordia Lutheran falls to nine, while St. Pius stays at 10. So, you know, there's a little bit of of shuffle there. I'll come back after I've read off all the rankings to talk about what our thoughts are on it. In Division Two, I'm just going to talk about the changes instead of reading out all the actual rankings. You see Southwest Christian rise up to three. Fort Bend moves up to four. Second Baptist falls to five after their loss to Fort Bend. St. Michael's moves up to six. Fort Worth Christian moves up to seven. Grapevine Faith falls to eight after their loss. Lutheran South moves up to nine. And the Woodlands Christian Academy falls to 10, while Brook Hill falls out of the rankings entirely. In terms of D3, D4, Lubbock Christian moves up to three. Pantigo falls to four. San Antonio Holy Cross moves into the rankings at 10. And Hallsville Sacred Heart falls out of the rankings. And our final SPC rankings of the year, Kincaid, moves up to number one as state champions. ESD moves or falls down to two. St. Mark's moves up to six. And Cistercian out of Erring falls to number seven. In terms of the top 10 overall rankings, we see Nolan Catholic move back up to two. Regents move to three. Trinity move to four. Kincaid move up to five. DC move up to six. ESD falls down to seven after they lost to Kincaid. Central Catholic falls to nine. And Grace Prep moves in at number 10. So a lot of rankings we just read out. Walker, I'll go to your for you first. Your thoughts on all the shuffle, flow, and ebb from this past week. All right. I'm going to go down the list really quickly to kind of explain everything. All right. D1, Central Catholic does have the win over St. Thomas. That's why they're only one up above them. But Central Catholic's loss to Antonio Prep was a big one. And so you had to at least knock him down a peg or so just to show, hey, we understand that loss, and that's why Antonio moves up. Uh, going to D2, 
Second Baptist moves down, Fort Bend moves up. That's basically how it is. Everything else really has to adjust. And then also the Grapevine Faith loss is massive to Fort, uh, Fort Worth Christian. So Fort Worth Christian had to jump into there after a dominant performance over Faith. And that's how you see that thing lay out. Uh, D3, D4, San Antonio Holy Cross is the number one in that district. And we didn't really have them ranked because they played a lot of out of state, out of like public schools in that San Antonio area that we just didn't know a lot about. So it's hard to really rank them, but everything else makes sense. SBC makes sense pretty much. I'm not really going to talk about it much there. And then the top 10 overall, uh, ESD lost to Kincaid. So you had to move them down and lost heavily. Uh, everyone else kind of moves up. Central Catholic, of course, moves down. St. Thomas uh, stays where they're at. And Grace Prep is kind of the UTSA of the year. They're 9-0. They've won all their games, and they played it. They've played all their games and they've dominated all their games. So they have to move into that 10th spot and kind of just giving them love a little bit. Yes, probably some D1 teams, D2 teams could beat them. Yes, but they're not playing each other. So that's how it is. So congrats to Grace Prep. We're about to see on Twitter how many people don't understand the concept of power rankings. You'll never see these games happen. So why does it even matter? Why can't we just put them in 10? Tell me why. Let us show let us show a D3 team some love without exactly. with, without ruining the fun for everyone. Exactly. But Ryan, I mean a lot of like I said, a lot of ebb and flow in last week's rankings. Your thoughts on the the movement? Yeah, I there's nothing I have to say. I think it's all I think it all looks great, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I, I thought was really uh important to mention was that that Kincaid uh jumps over DC, which I thought was important. Um, because obviously they beat the number two ranked DSD, so they deserve to go somewhere. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm I'm very comfortable with all our rankings. I know there's a lot of people that won't be, but I'm fine with that. I and mean, we, we've all discussed it pretty in depth, and we're we're comfortable putting all these teams where they are. But <clears throat> if I can if I can make it through without dying, we now actually no, we have our our final four bracket picks. Um, I thought it'd be pretty fun. Something I've done before and that went over well. Um, I have for D1 through D4, my final four picks for um, all the TAPS playoffs. So I'll just read them off. In Division One. I think you're going to see Parish Episcopal, St. Thomas, Nolan Catholic, and Central Catholic in the final four. I mean, you can look at the bracket for yourself and see how they're going to get there, but I personally think those are the four matchups we're going to see. In terms of Division Two. I see, and I literally have these filled out like, like March Madness brackets. I just sat down watching Monday Night Football and did it last night. But in D2, I think you're going to see Southwest Christian, D.C., Austin Regents, and Fort Bend Christian Academy. I am very, very excited to see the potential matchups of D.C. and Southwest in the semis and Regents and Fort Bend on the other side of the South bracket. I'm very, very excited for D2. I think these playoffs are going to be great. In terms of Division Three, I again, I apologize in advance. Taps has the D3 playoff set up really weird, and they don't have all the teams in there. So there's a good chance I completely overlooked the team, and please let me know if I did. But I think you're probably going to see Covenant Christian, Grace Prep, <clears throat> Cypress Christian, and Bay Area Christian in the final four. I mean, I think there's a really good chance you see all those teams there. In terms of D4, <clears throat> good Lord, I think you're going to see Munster Sacred Heart, First Baptist Academy out of Dallas, Brazos Christian, and Roseville Sacred Heart in the final four. So, I mean, I just read off a lot. I mean, Walker, what do you think we're going to see in terms of our final fours in the TAPS playoff brackets? I think I have the exact same as you. And Are you I'm, serious? <laughs> I really do. Like, I'm not, I, I was going through it. So, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it. I think you have, par- I have Parish, 
St. Thomas, Central Catholic, Nolan. I think that Central Catholic versus All Saints game, that that probably I think will be that semi-regional matchup. I think that's going to be really, really good, just Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Uh, Going to Division II, uh, everything I think really makes sense on the left side of the bracket. The right side, I think that Fort Bend versus Austin St. Michael's game is going to be very interesting because those teams haven't faced each other in a while, and I think that's going to be a really, really entertaining matchup. And – I think that region second Baptist matchup is also going to be, in my opinion, I think that's what's going to happen. That region second Baptist matchup is going to be very interesting to see because regions hasn't really played that many people like good talented teams and second Baptist is going to come in there hungry after a loss to Fort Bend Christian. So that's going to be very interesting. Uh, but yeah, I had Southwest DC regions for Ben uh, for D three that. It's Lubbock, Christian, Pantigo, and Colleyville out of those sides. It's just that's tough. That's like the worst side of any bracket, pretty much, is those three teams having to make it out of one side. Very, very difficult to see. Division three, I have Covenant, Grace Prep, Cypress, and Bay Area. Those are my four. And then going into Division four, I have Sacred Heart, First Baptist, Brazos Christian, Sacred Heart. Uh, I think those are pretty good teams. I think that's pretty much how I think – it's going to go, but I will say that Holy Cross versus Cypress Christian matchup and the regionals is going to be pretty good, I think. Uh, and probably that TCS Lubbock versus Grace Prep game. There's a lot of good regional matchups this year because of so many, like how small the brackets are. You have the better matchups really quickly. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I don't blame you for getting tripped up whenever with a D3, D4 stuff. The way TAPS does D3, D4 is an absolute mess, and it makes it incredibly hard to comprehend what's happening. But that's a story for another day. Ryan, I mean, we just went over a lot with the brackets. I mean, what are your thoughts on the D1 through D4 potential Final Fours? So I only have two differences than y'all. So my two differences, um, so obviously – I think I have I had basically the same thing for y'all um, in Division One. Obviously, that would be Nolan Catholic defeating Midland Christian, which in my opinion is correct. Um, and then yeah, and then that D two I have Southwest, I have DC, I have Regents. I think St. Michael's beats Fort Bend. Mm. I that's that's kind of what I say. I I looked into okay. it a little bit, looked at the SBC matchups that they've kind of like how it's kind of looked between them because some of them have played uh, some of them have played if I can get the team real quick uh, some of them have played St. John's and then some of them have played uh, have played Kincaid so it was kind of interesting kind of matching up how those teams have played and then all that kind of stuff it's a really long process but St. Michael's is who I have and then I got a hat over here so you know best believe oh sweet lord I can't, I can't go down on my dogs and pick Covenant I gotta pick love it christian and so i got love it christian instead of uh instead of what y'all said covenant right i mean literally y'all if you really wanted to you could go anywhere with that one because the fact that it's i mean unless you're going shelton then you're wrong but lubbock (laughs) colleyville or pantico i mean literally it could be any of those schools so let that be known but yeah everything else is the same grace prep uh what's called central catholic um well, that's a guy on here. Or no, sorry, that's not a guy. Cypress Christian. No, I said Cypress Christian, Barrier Christian, and then what's called Division Four is all the same as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's just something really fun to do is to pick everyone's Final Fours. I mean, it, it's really, really fun in March Madness. I think it's something that's really, really cool to do and bring it into Taps football. And I think we're the first people to do that. So I think that that'll be really cool to do and just kind of put. 
we should put all of our brackets. We should all make brackets. Like you already made your brackets. We should yeah. put all of our brackets on Twitter. I was gonna say, I was gonna say that. I think it'd be a really good idea just to get you know people doing it, get it out there. I think it'd be really cool. But that concludes all the other miscellaneous news. And now we move into our final segment, as always, the five games of the week. The first being Fort Worth All Saints versus Antonian. These were all first-round playoff matchups that we're really, really excited for. <clears throat> Coming off of a gigantic upset of Central Catholic, Antonian Prep will try to keep the momentum going against Fort Worth All Saints this Friday. Antonian enters the contest 6-4, and four, averaging 27 points a game, allowing 22. All Saints enters 5-4, and four, allow, averaging 31 points and allowing 31 as well. So, statistically speaking, two mediocre Division I teams. I really think this matchup is going to be decided in the trenches. If the Antonian front seven can beat the All Saints line and keep household name Brant Allfinger bottled up, I think they put themselves in a terrific position to win. However, if Allfinger gets loose and has a huge game, I don't think All Saints is beatable in that situation. And I think that's what's probably going to happen. I think Allfinger is due for a big game. I think All Saints is due for a big game as well. I think Antonian's going to be hot coming off of that Central Catholic upset. I just think All Saints is the better overall team. Give me All Saints in a close one. Walker, your thoughts on Fort Worth All Saints against Antonian this week? You know, I really like this Antonian team. I really, really do. I think they're hot. They're off the Central Catholic win. And that Central Catholic versus Antonian prep rivalry is a big-time deal. Remember, Wes, when we get down there, they're like, that's the team, you know? So, I think Antonio's coming in hot. I think they're the good team. But I I like this All Saints team. So, I'm going to go All Saints in this one. But because last time I, I, I had hoped for my Antonio prep upset against, I believe it was St. Thomas, uh, they failed me. So, uh, I, I, I have faith in this All Saints team to make it to the next round. So, give me All Saints. Ryan, I'm going to need you to pick Antonian. So, uh, if Antonian wins, we don't all get the, uh, the, the triple pick of death and get mean to death. So, what, what are your thoughts here? Are you going to hedge our bets? No, I, I, I'm not going to hedge your bets because oh, I never four with All Saints is – no, I mean, let's be honest here. Four with All Saints is, is beating some good teams this year. They've also lost a good amount of teams too, but I think that – I think that doesn't come at the expense of, uh, of Antonian. I think they get it done against Antonian in the first round. Yeah. Uh, for, for all of our sake, I hope you're right because we're setting ourselves up to get absolutely flamed by Antonian. But we'll see. I think it'll be a good game regardless, and we'll see what happens there. Second game – a game that's very, very interesting, in my opinion. Grapevine Faith against Brook Hill. You know, Faith enters 7-2, and two, averaging 42 points per game and allowing only 13. We thought this Faith team might be one of the best teams in D2 after the first four or five weeks. They started like 5-0, and 6-0, and something like that. <clears throat> Brook Hill, on the other hand, is 6-3, and three, averaging 30 points a game and allowing 22. Now, while Grapevine Faith is 7-2, and two, they're only 2-2 two and two in district with wins against Legacy Christian Academy and Coram Deo, both of which, sorry, Ryan, are not good at all this year. Out of their five non-district wins, not a single one came against a Division II or better opponent. They beat a TCAF team, two D3 teams, and an SPC 3A team, and a bad UIL 4A. The two competitive teams they've played, they've been blown out by in Southwest and Fort Worth Christian. Now looking at Brook Hill. 
their six wins have come against five bad teams in Fort Worth Christian, who has looked impressive later in the season. That was against the early version of Fort Worth. That was, that was, I'm pretty sure they were really injured and they were really, really down. So this is honestly a game between two teams that we have zero idea how good they are. Just off of my gut reaction, I like faith here. You know, this is probably a little bit of old personal bias because I used to hate Brook Hill more than I hated anything on the planet. That's not the case anymore. I really like the program now. But I do think Faith has more talent that will give them a boost to win this first round matchup. Now, Walker, you, you're a little bit – actually, no, you're really not less biased because you probably hate Faith about as much as I hate Brook Hill. So, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, probably. I hate Faith less and I hate Fort Worth Christian. I hated Fort Worth Christian more in high school, but I had good friends at Faith and they were good people to me. Um, anyways, this is, a, yeah, like you said, this is a really interesting matchup because you really don't know the level of both teams, you know? Um, do I go bold here? I, I, I kind of well. want to. I, I think it's at Bullard too. How live is Bullard? At home, how, how rowdy is Bullard? So basketball is a different animal. Football, they used to be, I mean, relatively rowdy. We'll see. I don't personally know this is going to get me old takes exposed if they win. I don't think enough to affect the outcome of the game, but you make your own decision. All right. They're, yeah, they're going to pack the stadium now. All, all, uh, oh, they, they orange out and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's, orange out. You know what? Fine. Give me Brook Hill in an upset. I, I I think they've like they've had some injuries over there at Grapevine Faith. They ha- I just give me Brook Hill. I don't know why. I think it's just a feeling. Yet yeah, let me go bold here. So give me Brook Hill. No, I mean that that's a that's not a bad decision at all. To hedge my bets, I love Coach Wild, their head coach. I met and met with him this year and some of their uh, some of their guys. I really really like their head coach. So I'm I'm hedging my bets a little bit, but I just want that on the record. Ryan, I mean. The podcast is split so far. Which which side are you going to take in Faith versus Brookhill? I, I got Faith. It's not – I mean, let's be honest here. Obviously, the loss to Fort Worth and the loss to Southwest looked really bad, but they still did, had a great season. They had a great season against a lot of non-district opponents that were all very, very good teams. Brookhill just really isn't there when it comes to that aspect. I have Faith, and I actually have them probably about by a touchdown or two as well. Oh, so you think they might blow it open? I, I like that. That makes me feel a little better. But at least, at least we're not all three in the same direction, and we're not going to get just absolutely flat. Oh no, I'll, I'll catch a lot of heat if Brook Hill wins because I've kind of stuck my neck out there. But we'll see. It'll be an interesting game. Now we turn to McKinney Christian at Fort Worth Christian. I'm going to give a lot less detailed statistical analysis on this one. Throw out the numbers. I don't care about points averaged. I don't care that Fort Worth is two and seven. <sighs> Hang on, I haven't done this in a long hey, time. Hey, they're three and seven, by the way. Three and seven. Oh, shoot. Hey, oh shoot! Hey, we got oh. something going. Hey, we got lights. It has been a long time since I have brought back the mortal lock of not the century, the millennia. Ever since it failed miserably, week one. Oh. Fort Worth Christian is going to win this football game. This team is hitting their stride now, and I honestly think they don't even keep this game close against McKinney Christian. Shout out Zeke Long. He's a great receiver. 
I think overall, Fort Worth Christian has immensely more talent than McKinney. That's not even going to make this game close. I've already had one rant that completely just threw Fort Worth Christian in the deep end against DC. I'm going the complete opposite direction. I like Fort Worth Christian by about 3,000 points in this game. Give me Fort Worth Christian. Give me every freaking point you have. I love the Cardinals here. I don't care they're three and seven. <coughs> I'm going to, that, that, that really just spent the rest of my voice. Walker, your thoughts on McKinney Christian and Fort Worth Christian? You know, I love McKinney Christian. They're a good school. I think they're a great team. I love Zeke Long. Zeke Long has been getting a lot more attention the past couple of weeks. So shout as out to should. him as he should. I uh, love the head coach over there. He's an Aggie. That makes him always better than most. Um, it is true. It's true. You know how it is, Wes. When you have that gold ring, it just it, it just means you're cool. From so, the inside looking out, you can't explain it. From the outside looking in, you can't understand it. Absolutely. Uh, but saying all of that, I'm going to go forward with Christian here. I think this team is too hot. This team too hot. You touch it, right? You go like, ah, it's too hot, <laughs> right? That's how this team is right now. Uh, give, give me forward with Christian, man. Trevor Andrews is about to uh, ball out this game. So We will see. Ryan, your thoughts on McKinney Christian and the Fort Worth Christian Cardinals? I mean, shoot. It's okay. McKinney Christian, y'all. No, I'm playing. Uh, it, Cash Cash Etheridge has had a great season. Let me not discredit that. The man has thrown for 2,100 yards this season. He's really had an overall good season. He's thrown for 27 touchdowns. Um, so I, I really, you know, can't go on back on the fact that he hasn't had a good year. He has had a good year. And, and obviously, you know, Zeke Long has had a great year as well, being his number one target all year long. Let's not let that go uncredited. But this will be the end of their season. Um, They're going to lose to Fort Christian and – that is a very, very great season for Zeke Long. And I can almost tell you right now that Cash as a sophomore is going to play. It's just going to blow open for McKinney. And uh, we'll see what he does this offseason. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not going to put words in anybody's mouth. But, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe you try to get some people to come in there. Or maybe you try to get out of there. I, I don't know. I, I think Cash really has talent, though. So, uh, yeah, I have four Christian. No, for sure. I mean, I'm just happy realizing I have another I have another rant for the for the no context account, but we'll see. Fort Worth Christian deserved a rant of mine in their favor after I completely scalded them a few weeks ago. But game number four, Lutheran South at Austin St. Michael's. Another game that's really, really interesting if you dig into the specifics, in my opinion. Lutheran South enters seven and three. They were red hot to start the season. They've cooled off a little as of late. They're averaging 28 points a game. They're allowing 20 points a game. St. Michael's enters at eight and two, averaging 44 and allowing only 19. Straight up, I think St. Michael's wins this one. I think Lutheran South got exposed pretty badly at the hands of Second Baptist and Fort Bend. St. Michael's ran their district outside of the loss to Regents. And to be honest, can we really fault them for that? Regents is on another level than almost anyone else in TAPS this year. I'll keep it short. I'll keep it sweet. Give me Austin St. Michael's and a couple touchdowns. Walker, your thoughts? Yeah, give me also Austin St. Michael's in this one. You know what? Hey, give me give me a – There we go. Give me, give me my mortal lock this week. Uh, I'm going to go St. Michael's in this one. I love this offense, man. They're explosive. They got the dudes. They have the athletes. Carson Kruber over there throwing the ball is a stud. I love that kid. I love this team. Give me Austin St. Michaels. I apologize to Lutheran South, but hey, I hey, I actually think 
uh, I might be going to this game. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it fully yet. This might be the game I go to on Saturday. So uh, exciting, exciting game to go to. So let's go. Ryan, I think you tipped your hand a little bit in your final four predictions, but your thoughts on this first round matchup between Lutheran South and Austin St. Michael's. Yeah, I'm trying to find what St. Michael said. I can't find it, but they put out something either by their football team or something or wherever they put it out um, that I'm pretty sure they are the ones if I or I might be on the wrong standing here, but I'm pretty sure they are the ones that are leading their entire uh, district or whatever it was in uh, points per game that they scored and then also the amount of they let up. So they are allowing the least amount of points and scoring the most in their district, which I just thought that's, that's a really good stat to have, especially going into playoffs really proves that you are um, the best team, you know, for like, you know, that would, that would be from that, those statistics wise, you are the best team that you can do statistically. Uh, with that being said, you jump over to the other side of the Southern uh, and Southern division. And I, I have, I have Austin St. Michael's. I mean, it just is that graphic earlier kind of sent me over. So good graphic, good marketing skills by Austin St. Michael's. You got my vote. I love to see you. So we all pick St. Michael's. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. And there's a, there's a mortal lock of the century on St. Michael's side, which statistically has proven not great for our picks, but Colleyville Covenant versus Pantigo is the last game that we are going to cover here. And again, I'm going to keep it very simple. I like Covenant in this game. I know Pantigo is what nine and one, but I think that Colleyville has a huge win against a very good Lubbock Christian team that Ryan's obviously very high on. Pantigo hasn't really beat anybody in my opinion. They, they don't have any signature wins that here. Covenant Christian has a lot of talent. We've talked about, you know, Etta over and over and over again. Kid is a freak. Christian Wells is also a tremendous talent for the Panthers. I really, really do think they get it done against Pantigo here. Ryan, I'll switch it up and go to you first. You think that there's there's any way Pantigo gets it done against Covenant? Uh, no. I mean, I think Covenant wins here. Um, and, you know, I I don't know. Love it. Christian is a great team. And I, I'm kind of just like sitting on that, that my pick now going like, I don't know, but explaining how well Colleyville does this week, you could see my final four prediction going a little bit differently. I know we're supposed to keep it how it is, but uh, I know I honestly think that Pantico just, they just, they're not set up to play anybody that great. And Colleyville has actually played those good teams. However, a loss to Weatherford in overtime and a loss to, um, Lost to somebody else. I'm trying. I'm sorry that I can't name all these off the top of my head, but they have a loss to Weatherford. They have they have a loss to Dallas Christian or Grapevine, I think I believe. So, you know, Covenant's had their losses this year. You know, I I'll let, the, I'll let that be known. So, I, I think this game will be closer than some expect. We will see a lot of good points raised there. Walker for the final pick of the final game. Your thoughts on Colleyville Covenant and Pantigo Christian. I'm going to pick Covenant here. I think it's a good, I think it's the good pick. I love this team. And, you know, they had, they struggled a little bit earlier with, you know, having to have the injured quarterback. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize how big of an influence losing a quarterback is on a team. It's big to have to adjust and all that. And that's what they've done. Christian Wells has stepped into that role and has done a great job for this team. Um, I love him as an athlete. He can do whatever he wants on the field. That's how good of a player he is. And I let on the other side with uh, Nathan Kaja and all the other guys. I love that team, man. Give me, give me Covenant over Pantigo um, in this one. 
No, I mean, I think that great rationale from all three of us. I think we we covered a ton of ground, not only with the games of the week, but in terms of recapping everything and giving our little bracket predictions. I think that went really well. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with anyone you know. Share it with your, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, everyone. I mean, we know that we want to get this out to as many people as possible. And a lot of people want to see there's a, there's a big hunger for taps action that a lot a lot of people need to find so we'd be very grateful if you share this with other people um barring any additional comments i really think that's all we have for this week so as always i've been one third of your hosting crew west tallis and walker lot and ryan troder have excellently as always been themselves we will see you in the next episode where hopefully i don't sound like garbage peace <laughs>